The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing. Going into its second quarter century of making sure that every week, do that math, 25 times 52. Where's the cassette? Every week, every week, making sure you have... The information and inspiration you need to start or grow your own real estate investing business. And today I'm I'm stepping out on a limb, folks. I'm way out there because we, that means you and me, are going to talk about the 2022 real estate market. I sent out an email to folks who are subscribed to the Real Life Real Estate uh, email thing that goes out every week saying, tell me what's going on in your area. Tell me what you see happening. Tell me what you predict for the next 12 months and tell me what you what advice you would give to someone about stuff that is working or stuff that is challenging where you are. I did get quite a few emails with people telling me about their markets in various places in the country. And I cannot tell you how much I appreciate that. I was just not sure if we were going to have like 56 minutes of dead air here. Because, you know, I have my opinions, but I also want to hear what's going on every place else. So literally, this is a discussion, a discussion about what you think is happening in your area, what you might be doing in your own business to kind of deal with the challenges and jump upon the opportunities, you can either send an email to askvina at gmail.com. That's A-S-K-V like in Victor E-N-A at gmail.com. Or alternatively, you could call in during the live program at 877 Think along the lines of inventory, of financing, of um, house prices, competition, labor, materials, all of the things that you are seeing going on in your market. And let me know, either call, call up and tell me or, you know, send an email to askvina at gmail.com. Uh, we actually already have a caller on the line, so let's go to line two and talk to Robert in Nashville. Robert, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Thank you. It's good to be here. It's good to have somebody to talk to since I literally... <laughs> there are people in Radio Land. That's right. <laughs> I would not have known how to talk for 48 minutes as a monologue on 
what's going on in the market. So uh, let's let's start with what part of the market are you in? Nashville, Tennessee area, also some North Alabama, and some exposure in the Central Florida, Tampa area. Okay, and what, like, uh, wholesale, retail, rentals, lease options? Buy and hold rentals. Buy and hold rentals. Okay, so tell us what you are seeing in those southern markets down there. All three seem to be similar in terms of the rents are going up, 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 and they have been going up for some time. One thing I think that's really curious is if a hedge fund or one of these large Wall Street firms is involved, once they get a hold of it as a new property, some of which we've sold to, they're raising the rent astronomically. I mean, like another 50% more than we were getting. And they're apparently getting it. It's Mm. going under contract, being leased. Now, does it include garbage? Does it include gas, electric water? I don't know. But they figured out some kind of system to jack up the rent which is real interesting. If I've got one down the street, well, they got $2,100 for it. Maybe I can get close to $2,100. Or maybe I can beat them at 1800 and get a top-quality tenant that doesn't want to pay $2,100. Nashville, North Alabama, and the Tampa area are three kind of different areas in, in terms of what what the average rent would be. But in those areas, do you feel like rents are getting to an unaffordable level for the people who live there? I can tell you, I spoke with someone in Nashville the other day and they said they hated the way the rents had increased because they felt like the tenant types, the tenant income level that they catered to was no longer able to afford to live in the city in which they worked. Mm. And so they were very concerned about how, what used to be 1200 might now be 1900 a month. How are they going to afford that continuing to work their job in dishwashing or housekeeping or catering or whatever it was in the Nashville area? Mm-hmm. So, so is it becoming unaffordable? Perhaps, but one of the strategies we're seeing is more people moving in. I've got one where there are six money-earning adults living in one house. Hmm. Hmm. Rent is never late, and they've accepted every increase, and they are not far below the market. They've been in there a long time. They don't tear stuff up. They take care of the place. It's perfect, but there are six income-producing adults in that one house. So potentially we're seeing the renter population uh, deal with increasing rents either by moving out to cheaper areas, which is uh, since we, we just saw the new oil prices today, and I think we can expect another bump in gas prices here shortly uh, uh so th- so it rents cheaper but now i've got to commute and i and i've been mm-hmm. i've been to nashville during the time when people mostly commute and that that could add if you're li- living in one of the outlying areas i could add an hour to how long it takes you to get to work every day and an hour to get home again or that they're doing it what could- doing what people often do in a recession, which is moving in together. Right. And you can't phone in your housekeeping job. You can't phone in your catering job. You can't work from home, Mm -hmm. get on the internet and do that. Mm -hmm. You've got to physically show up. So yes, you have to drive in that traffic. Now, is there less traffic on the road because of the work from home? Could be, Hmm. but yes, I still have to pay for that gas to fill up my car to go to that housekeeping job. 
wow, it now costs more to fill up that car. Mm-hmm. Now, what that makes me think of is that looking more at properties in outlying areas, if you were looking to be a rental housing provider, might be an interesting thing to do. Because of One of my friends actually does that as his strategy. In fact, he is in surrounding counties, one and even two counties out from the primary mm-hmm. uh, center of town, if you will. And he is finding good demand, healthy demand, and he's able to push the rents not the same level. But there is plenty of demand when he has a nice rental come on the market. And one assumes that in the outlying areas, uh, the average house price is lower too. So for somebody who somebody who couldn't uh, afford a Nashville rental, like a, a, from the investor perspective, someone who couldn't afford a Nashville rental might be able to afford one a couple of counties out and still get good rents. That's right. And he meets the qualifications if he wants to borrow money from an institution and they are flush with cash and wanting to loan. He's not having any trouble with that or finding a private lender, an investor or just grandma who might not want to take 0.50% on a CD at the bank and is willing to loan it to him for 4%. Mm-hmm. There's money everywhere for him to buy those deals in those outlying areas as long as he's got the credibility, confidence, and the team to um, make that lender feel good about what he's investing in. So you are not seeing money to buy investment problems as be, uh, properties as being a problem because you just named like three different ways that this guy could finance these properties or is financing these properties. And that's literally what he's doing. It is all those three ways. Hmm. Hmm. And, he, and he could do more deals because he's got plenty of money. Mm-hmm. So, of course, I say they're throwing it at him. I mean, it needs to make sense. People aren't being stupid about it. Mm-hmm. So, of course, the reason that we have these increasing rents is uh, that we have a housing shortage. We have a shortage of available rental properties. I, I, I think it's true in Nashville and Tampa. Don't know so much about uh, the Arkansas area that you invest in, but. Uh, there's been humongous amounts of building in the last 10 years, but it's all been apartments. It hasn't all right. been apartments, but most, most of the stuff that's somewhat affordable has been apartments, and apartments just do not fit the lifestyle, typically, of a family with three kids and a dog. You know, they've got, they've got to have single-family right. homes, so we aren't going to apartment our way out of the rental shortage. We have to actually have more real houses, and that problem of how how many single families are even available for rental, it was already bad in 2019, and it was horribly exasperated. Uh, exasperated. That, that's, that was a Freudian slip right there. It was horribly exacerbated <laughs> in, uh, in 2020 when uh, a lot of uh, housing providers were told that their bilateral contracts had become unilateral contracts and they still had to maintain the properties and pay the tax and insurance, but they weren't allowed to collect rent necessarily anymore. Mm-hmm. I know one of the things we've seen up here is a lot of people who were either like not really not that devoted to the to the rental, but you know, they had two or three rentals and it was just kind of a thing they did for retirement or they were getting to that age where they were you know, trying to consider, do I keep these and get a property manager or do I sell them? Were pushed over into selling them. And they sold them in many cases to homeowners, which took them off the market as rentals, or they sold them to those self-same hedge funds that you're talking about that then go in and do a spectacular rehab and charge 
a thousand dollars a month more than you thought you could get <laughs> for that rental. That's right. So every everything touches everything. Everything the everything the government does, everything the city does, everything the state does to try to, I don't know, mess with the real estate market has those unintended consequences, and we have definitely seen those in terms of rental rates. Less less rentals, rents going to go up uh, all That's over right. the country. So. And this is a great time because we are at the beginning of the year. Everyone's pretty well heard what the Fed translated in terms of three likely increases in the federal funds rate, Mm -hmm. which, of course, will affect the prime rate and every other rate. Of course, mortgage rates have already moved up. Now, more than ever, it makes sense to get good education so you know what to do because things are going to change. Mm -hmm. That's the one constant is change. That's correct. (laughs) Yes. So yeah, that was that was sort of the point of the show today was to try and um, get some educated opinions like yours on different aspects of the market and also to remind people that we may be singing a completely different song six months from now. So you got to be around people who are actually doing it. Agreed. All right, Robert, thank you very much for your call. We need to take a quick break. For those of you who are just joining us, the topic today is the 2022 market, listening for what y'all, what's going on in your markets, what you think is going to happen in 2022, more, more of the same change, worse, you know, whatever, what you are doing in your business this year that might be different than what you did last year to meet the challenges and grab the opportunities we're going to take a quick bat break and we'll be back right after this welcome back to real life real estate investing today is just all about discussing what's going on in the market and in folks businesses right now and any predictions you might have for 2022 we're going to go back to the phones and talk no, we're not going to talk to Andrea on line one in Columbus. Uh, we're going to talk to Bill on line three in Nashville. Bill, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Well, thank you, Vina. Thank you very much for doing your show for 20, what, five years? Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah, for death. So this this isn't Bill from Nashville. This is Bill from Georgia slash Florida. This is Bill from Georgia. Bill is in, in Nashville, Nashville on Music Row. Yeah. In Nashville. Okay. So, um... You heard the you heard the intro. We're talking about like what what do you see working? What do you see not working? What do you see as challenging? Any predictions for what is going to happen in 2022? And anything you're doing different in your business given the current market? Okay. In fact, I had lunch today with about ten of your friends here in Nashville. So we got together and we one of the questions came up was what do you, what does the crystal ball tell you about the market? And I just heard today for the first time that in interest rates are now at what not interest rates, but uh, inflation is at seven percent, and that it hadn't been that for forty years. So I thought, what's forty years ago? Nineteen eighty-two. Well, that's kind of when I came out of high school. All right, that's when I graduated college, and that's when interest rates were really high. So, as best we can all figure, number one is there's a huge shortage of houses. There's just not enough houses to go around, so that means prices will be high. And the money is cheap. In other words, interest rates right now for a mortgage, a 30-year mortgage, is you know cheap, 3%, less than that. Mm-hmm. So you're going to keep prices high. But if they have to take interest rates up, which is what they did back in 82, 
as interest rates go up, that means people's payments go up, but they can only afford so much, which hopefully that will start bringing prices down. But but with a shortage, maybe it doesn't. So in to the, in the end of the question is, no one has a crystal ball that works. Mm-hmm. We're all just guessing. Well, it is absolutely the case. We don't, we don't have a crystal ball. We do have a history book. And in 1979... When, in, when inflation was um, actually probably not that much higher than it is now because they calculate inflation differently than they did then. They took everything into account in 1979, and now they leave out some important stuff that a lot of people actually do have to pay for. Uh, the Fed ended up having to double interest rates in order to get the get inflation under control. They, yeah. went, from, they went from like 9 to 18 in one year. And that really suppressed the heck out of the residential mortgage market. Like like you, the house that you wanted to sell for, it was 1979, so let's say $100,000. Suddenly nobody could afford it at $100,000 because people in America don't buy houses based on what they're paying for them. They based, buy them based on what their payments are. It's just super comp, like everybody finances their house when they buy it. But I do remember that my father, who was in the real estate investing business back then, did very, very well in that 79 to 84 time frame when rates were really high because he didn't go to banks to buy houses. So where did he go? Well, he, he went to the owners. He got, he got you know, the owner had a 7% mortgage and he assumed it or he wrapped it with a 9% mortgage. He wasn't paying those 18% interest rates ever. Can you do that? Is that, is that a thing? Can yeah, you do that? that's what I hear. I hear that's a thing. Um, but he, he acquired a lot of properties during that time frame when everybody else was going, you can't buy a house because they won't cash flow because interest rates are 18%. So I, I'm, I'm guessing that you're going to agree with me that learning how to do things like lease options and wrap mortgages and subject twos would be a really valuable skill for people to have over the next 12 months. I don't care what the market's going. I think that those are very valuable skills to have. Agreed. But they're particularly valuable to have when interest rates are increasing. And when people see the, the, you said earlier, we don't have enough houses, but interest rates are going up. So what's going to happen to prices? My, if I were making a guess, I would say they flatten out. I wouldn't say they go down because we have so much inventory shortage. The builders cannot yeah, build their way out of, this builder, out of this inventory shortage for 10 years, especially not when they can't get labor and materials costs are growing through the roof. They just cannot do it. So my guess is it is it by the end of 2022 the 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 news is going to be the market has softened stuff is staying on the market longer it's not going for 10% over asking price people are having to you know set set the same prices at the end of 2022 that they did at the beginning of 2022 which is different than it's been for the last 2 years. Yep. So what are you going to do differently in your business this year? Well, we put a house on the market for rent back in November, and I had 75 applications come in, and it was a little bit less than seven days. And I heard more people tell me, and I heard this more often in that seven-day period of time than I've heard in 30 years total, 
that either the landlord has sold their property and the tenants need a home to live in. The landlord is selling their property. They need a place to live. Their landlord is about to sell the property. They need a place to live. So I'm watching landlords get out of the business in, by the droves because they're just they're cashing out. They can get so much money compared to what they paid for it, so they're, they're taking the money. And that led me to the conclusion, kind of like with builders. You said builders can't catch up for 10 years. I now recognize that in, in Cartersville, Georgia, and it's across the country too, there's this huge need for single-family housing, and that need will not be filled. There won't be enough houses to fill that need for at least a decade. So starting in March, Tim and I are going back to Cartersville, and I'll be there for five months. I'll make 1,000 written offers, and that's not an exaggeration, but 1,000 written offers. The goal is to buy between 10 and 20 more rental properties because we think over the next five or 10 years, they're going to pay off hugely because there's just such a shortage. But there'll be good homes, good neighborhoods, good areas of town. So buy more rentals. That's your strategy yes. for that's my strategy for the opportunities. I'm back there. to be. I'm, I'm back to being an estate builder. Back to being an estate builder. All right, Bill. Well, thank you for your input today, and thank you for all you do, Vina, for the real estate world. You have done so much for so many for so long, and you're greatly appreciated. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, Bill. All right, let's hear from Russell on line two in Connecticut. Russell, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Yes, hi, how are you? Good, Russell. Happy New Year. Um, yes, uh, I'll, I'll uh, basically feed off what the, the same sentiment here, inventory really low uh, and and supply, I mean, supply low, and therefore prices are high. And, and again, a lot of people out because of uh, Omicron slash covid right now um and i'm in a situation where i need to move by, by may uh, and find some place either to rent or to buy and i'm looking and, and i sent this in an email i've been pre-approved on two va loans uh though though now i'm i'm thinking about a lot along the lines of whatever what others have said about what they're how to reevaluate their goals this year mm-hmm. so mm-hmm yeah, I would not want to be in the housing market right now. I would, I mean, in the sense of I wouldn't want to like I need to move by May because it's yeah. so hit or miss right now to find anything, find anything that other people aren't willing to overpay for, find anything for rent that stays vacant for more than a day. It's a, it's, it, it, yeah. it it's like from from the investor perspective, if you have or can find deals, mm-hmm. it, this is the best market you've ever been in. Yeah. But finding the deals is the big challenge. Exactly. Yeah. Well, good yep. luck. Yeah, all right. I wish you all the best. <laughs> you all right. Too. Thanks, Russell. Thanks. Take care. All right. Let's go to line one and talk to Dwan from Florida. Hey, Dwan. Hey, Carl. How you doing? I'm good. I'm still in Ohio, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so not so good. <laughs> Dwan, who, Dwan, who wishes she was in Florida. <laughs> So, so <clears throat> we're talking today about the 2022 market, and I think I think you probably have a perspective here that you would like to express that nobody else has said anything about that about yet, and that is foreclosures. Mm. Yes, I, I, unfortunately, I did not get to hear the entire radio show, so I did not hear. But I heard the person before this last guy. When you were talking about uh, your dad used to get houses directly from homeowners, hmm. and I'm like, subject to. Subject to, yep. 
Subject two, subject two, Sub- like immediately. Su- and that I, you know, you and I both know. I mean, subject twos are always good, no matter the market. People still go through marriage, divorce, death, sickness, job loss. There's always something, and there's always people that have a property that maybe they can't sell. They don't have time to sell. It needs too much repair something and so i'm all subject to and short sales over here mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so especially <clears throat> subject are especially attractive when we're coming out of a period where interest rates were very low because of course subject uh-huh. two is just is just taking the deed and be, you know making the commitment to pay the other person's mortgage for them and i remember <clears throat> back in the day when i got excited if a property I was taking subject to was at seven and a half percent, because that was so low, that interest rate was so oh, I know. low. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> and I mean, I was—I I actually took over loans at twelve and a half and thirteen and a half percent back Dang. in the day. Uh, because it must have been back in the day before me. I don't—I don't recall taking any quite that high, but yeah, I remember being like, "Oh my gosh, the interest rate's like seven point five. This is amazing. I'm grabbing this deal." <laughs> And now, and now we're seeing them right and left at, at I think the um, the uh, most the highest interest rate loan I took over in the last two years was about four and a half, and I was like, uh, oh man, I wish that was three. <laughs> I know, I don't know. But but what about? But you know, you, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Well, uh, what about your? Since you actually like, if for folks who don't recognize your voice, teach largely on short sales. Uh, what is, what is your perspective on coming on everybody coming out of these forbearance agreements? Because that that's kind of been like not not news. It was a, there was a lot of news about it when oh the you know if you're Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, FHA, VA, you're in a forbearance agreement, and then that got extended. But then it people started rolling out of them in October or November. And there's a new, uh-huh. a new set of people rolling out every month now. And in another few months, nobody's going to be in that forbearance anymore. And they've got to figure That's out right. how they're going to either do a loan modification or pay all that money that they didn't pay. Um, we've seen very, very few foreclosures in the last 10 years. Are we are we going to see a little bubble or, or is everybody going to do a loan mod? <clears throat> Well, you know, the thing about a loan mod um, is that people have to qualify for that. So I know, like you, I know many, many people. And like you, I told every person that would hear me, do not do the fourth forbearance agreement. Make your payments, make your payments, make your payments. That's when something's too good to be true, because it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so now you have people that literally didn't make payments for 18 months. Mm-hmm. So the banks are not just going to just put all that money on the back and say, okay, here you go, start over. People have to qualify. And the people that took all the unemployment and took all the stimulus and borrowed all the money and did all the stuff, and now they're just barely getting back to work, I don't know that they're all going to qualify for loan modifications. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to prove to the bank that you have a job and payment and earn enough money to make that payment plus your other bills not that, oh, I'm still on my last six months of unemployment, but I want you to modify my loan. Yeah, and I don't think so, the American public got that that was the way it was going to work. 
Because the, the, the newsletter article that I read early on sort of implied that, okay, well, when you come out of this, we're going to do just what you said. We're going to take the $45,000 you haven't paid, and we're going to tack it on the back end as a no interest, no payment, second mortgage. And I was watching that and going, that's not what Dodd-Frank says they have to do. Dodd-Frank says the bank has to requalify them, even though the payment's the same yeah. as it was in you know, February of 2020. You have yep. to requalify, and if your income has changed, you will not requalify, and you will not get that loan modification. And I've, I'm writing a check this week to bail somebody out who uh, had to who took who took the 18 months, didn't make payments, and then was unable to either come up with $36,000 in back payments or. Mm-hmm get the loan modification and i think we're going to see a lot bigger percentage of those people than anybody had guessed and there's some people who i've spoken to who they took the forbearance never intending to take a loan they're just like you know after the 18 months is up they'll foreclose on me and i'll have another year and i'll walk away it was people that were kind of done with their houses anyway yeah yeah a lot of people the problem is that the, the government, it was very clear, they kept using the word forbearance. And people, I don't think the average person, and I don't even think most of the investors, understand what the forbearance agreement is not, you're going to get a guaranteed loan modification. Forbearance is, yeah, we'll take these payments, we might put them on the back, and maybe you owe 36000 but we're going to want 5000 down, and we're going to qualify and see if you qualify and if you don't, they're going to start taking people's houses. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I mean, that's the bottom line. And you know, it sounds good on the news. Oh, forbearance! You don't have to make payments. And people are like, woohoo! And you know, I I happen to be in Florida. I was in Florida when the lockdown started. So in March, March, April, May, June of 2020, all this started. People didn't have to make payments. In that subdivision where I live, it's a gated community. I never saw so many giant TV screen boxes out at the trash on the corner and so much stuff that people were buying like crazy because they were like, we don't have to make mortgage payments. Let's buy gaming. Let's buy a TV. Let's get a pool put in. Mm -hmm. I could not believe what I was watching. And I was like, oh, my God, these people have no idea what's getting ready to happen to them because I think they thought, stick them on the back. I'll make my next payment. I'm good. And that's not what's happening. So I'm guessing that you would say that learning how to deal with short sales would be a really good skill to have in 2022. It would be a really good skill set. So for those of you that don't know what a short sale is, basically you have a homeowner with, a, you know, whatever, $200,000 house. They owe two hundred, but now they didn't make payments for a kajillion years. And they owe two fifty, and, you know, it's not worth it. And now they can't sell it. They are actually upside down. And you can work with the bank to get the bank to take less than what's owed against that mortgage. Maybe you can buy that house for 125 by doing and negotiating a short sale. And I do believe that there will be a giant short sale wave because too many people are really upside down now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even with rising because house. People always... They always buy the most that, like you said earlier, um, they don't care about how much the house costs. They care what the payment is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when people qualify for a house, like, I can afford $2,000 a month payment. What can I get for that? Mm-hmm. Well, with a 2% interest rate versus a 
10% interest rate, that's two completely different houses. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and rising house prices doesn't necessarily save you when you are adding 8% per year to what you owe against your house. Because even if you've got a 3% interest rate, your late fees that you didn't pay are costing you 5% a month. And so your if once they start foreclosure, then they pile on another, you know, multiple thousand dollars worth of uh, attorney's fees that you have to pay for. So, yeah, I'm if I if I were to make a prediction, those are always dangerous. But I I looked up the stats and as of third quarter of last year, which is last time we could get stats, um, three percent of American mortgages were in forbearance. And another 2.6% were not in forbearance and were at least 30 days late. And that adds up to 5.6% of mortgages that are either deeply in default because they haven't been paid in 18 months or they are going into default. And that is a bigger number than we have seen in a lot of years. Long time. I've been saying, I tell you, since like the beginning, I was like, you know, I could have a podcast. I kept telling people, make your payments, make your payments, make your payments. Just please don't do this because I'm telling you the word forbearance means you're gonna. It's it's not sticking on the back and making your next payment. That's not how it's going to be. And I know so many people being in it. I know you do too. That took that time, took unemployment, all oh, my job, and you know, they they just I people took vacations. It's like what the hell's wrong with y'all? You're gonna <laughs> now the consequences are rolling around, and people are going to be surprised about the amount of houses that are actually in default. And like you said, you know, you're bailing someone out for $36,000. Well, how many thousands and thousands of houses are there? Hundreds and hundreds of thousands around the country in the exact predicament. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they don't qualify for the loan modification. So, folks, what I think I'm hearing, what I'm hearing and what I hope you're hearing is if you've been ignoring foreclosures for the past half decade because there just didn't seem to be that many of them and banks didn't seem to be open to short sales, it might be time to get those short sale skills out and brush them up. Brush up on them. You are exactly right. In fact, I'm actually doing a webinar here in a few weeks about it because people have, you know, it's, it's been good for a while. But everything is cyclical. And, you know, the last one, like, it was so easy to predict interest-only loans for, you know, three, five, seven years. Well, that can't possibly go wrong. That can't possibly go wrong. (laughs) How's that going to be a good idea? You know, when people are refinancing, you know, interest-only payment is this much. And when you have to pay the whole thing, it's like doubling people's mortgages. I think that was, like, super easy to predict. But COVID, you know, it came on quick. Nobody knew what it was. People didn't know what to do. People were afraid to go out. Felt safe to stay home. I don't have to make my payments anyway. So I think people thought this is a good idea. But life still goes on, and jobs still come and go, and interest rates go up and down, and things keep happening. And now there are a kajillion people that are like, ooh, okay, oops, what do I do now? So I think, and, you know, like right now, one of the guys there said that, you know, Rate, uh, houses prices are, are still selling pretty quickly, but all these people that are trying to do these uh, loan mods, they're not qualifying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to go into foreclosure, and then boom, we have maybe, and I agree, I don't think we're having like a catastrophic crash, I and mean, we could both be wrong about that, but 
I don't think so, but I feel like there's going to be a ton of opportunity for investors who are on the more creative side. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, look how long people didn't have to pay rent. Yep. I, if you're a landlord and everything you had was tied up in rentals in 2020, you were so screwed. Mm-hmm. Yep. It was uh, it was a hard year to, uh, in terms of what the government was deciding to do to us. We have to take a quick break, Dwan, but I do appreciate your insight into the uh, particularly the foreclosure part of the market. Thanks for calling in. And yeah, so welcome. I'm always happy to talk to my girl. <laughs> we do need to uh, take a quick break. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing, talking today about the 2022 market. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Fina Jones-Cox, talking today about the 2022 market, just getting input and feedback from folks all over the country. If you have something to report or say about how your business is changing, just send it to askvina at gmail.com. If you're, if this discussion is like rousing thoughts in your head about, ooh, I need to do this, I need to do that, I need to look into this, um, I would at the same time suggest that you not chase after everything that comes up to you as a business opportunity in real estate, because trust me when I say you will go insane. You will build a business that becomes a giant monster that eats your life. You can ask me how I know that sometime when we see each other. If you were looking for an actual actionable 2022 plan, I would suggest that you go to CincinnatiRia.com. That's C-I-N-C-I-N-N-A-T-I-R-E-I-A.com. And check out the workshop that is coming up online this Saturday called Vision Systems and People, How to Make a 12-Month Really Gonna Do It This Year Plan. Uh, anyone from anywhere in the country, whether you're a Cincinnati RIA member or not, can attend. It is online. If you can't make it live on Saturday, it will be recorded and the recordings will be sent to you if you register at CincinnatiRIA.com. Check that out and also check the out the article on the business building blog that I wrote last week explaining why getting a vision absolutely changed everything about how I did my real estate business. We're going to go to the email box now because, man, I just looked at it and it has been piling up with people from all around the country reporting different things about what's going on in their market. Tom from Upstate Korea, which is in the Greenville, South Carolina area, says our mayor announced today that office space in Greenville is at an all-time high and new construction is on the books. Who knew? Yeah, I remember everybody predicting the death of office space back in 2020. Oh, everyone, no, office space is unused. Everyone's going to figure out that all their employees can work from home. The whole, the whole investment class of office space is going to just dive off the cliff and they will have all these empty office spaces. But apparently in Greenville, they're still building it and it's at the highest rate ever. Uh, Wendy from Fairfield, Ohio says, I'm a little north of Cincinnati. While properties have been selling pretty fast, I feel like that since buyers heard about the interest rates going up, uh, purchases are picking up. Regardless of the condition of the property, I'm seeing notifications of properties just listed to get a notification 20 minutes to two hours later that it's already contingent or pending. Today, the most surprising one was a property with a house being sold as is. The advice in the ad said, fix it or tear it down and build new. (laughs) Yeah, so 
the threat of interest rate increases may actually be making what is already an incredibly hot winter market. Y'all remember, y'all remember when, when real estate sales dropped dead from Thanksgiving to like the 15th of January? That hasn't been the case in the last two years. It has gone straight on through the holiday season and the cold winters up here in the north, just as hot as ever. And Wendy's saying that the threat of an interest rate increase may be making it even hotter before a three quarter point interest rate increase by the end of the year might soften it up some. Tim from Cincinnati says inflation has just been reported to be 7%, so at its highest level since 1980, with the financial stimulus resulting from the Fed printing so much money, the shortage of so many consumer goods, including home building and repair materials, our current economic conditions are unprecedented. I, I would agree with that. I was having this discussion with somebody the other day about that 1970s stagflation time that I, yeah, I was in elementary school when that happened. But because my parents were in the real estate business, I remember hearing a lot about the real estate business at the time. Uh, the difference between then and now is that interest rates or inflation was very high and the Fed reacted to it in the way that it normally would, which was raise rates. What we've had for the last two years is Inflation very high, but the Fed keeping rates down despite threatening to raise them every quarter. They have not, in fact, done so. Uh, Tim's wrap-up question was, how might the high inflation rate impact the real estate market differently than it has during the previous rate periods of high inflation? Well, I guess I got to say, uh, I mean, again, all of that stuff is artificial, right? All of that stuff is government policy trying to keep consumers slash voters happy and stores full of the goods and services we're used to having here in America. And I don't think we can really tell. I, I can tell you during the high inflation rate of the 70s, Real estate did what it always does, which it kept, which is it kept pace with inf- kept pace with inflation. But when then when interest rates doubled, that was all just theoretical. Uh, my house is worth one fifty if I can find anybody who can afford one hundred and fifty thousand dollars at eighteen percent interest, or I can sell it creatively in a way that spreads the pain of that out. One of the really common things back then was something called a growing equity mortgage. And banks gave these like uh, no one can afford the 18 percent interest rate. So we're going to set the payments as if the interest rate were 12 percent, which means you're not paying enough money every month to cover your principal and interest payment, which means every month for the first seven years, money is being added to your balance. And then at year seven, we reamortize it to pay off over the following 23 years. That was actually a pretty good solution for folks who they were getting, they were getting increases in their salaries. They were, you know, like the the value of the house was going up. It's now illegal. Dodd Frank made that illegal, so that will not be a solution this time around, unless that Dodd Frank law is changed, or better yet, just let's repeal it. So. Yeah, it's uh, it's a little hard to tell what impact it would have different because things are so different. We just have not seen anything like this ever before. But it will be a fun journey to find out 
what happens and react to it. Uh, let's see. You got an email from Shelly in Kennesaw, Georgia. She says here in Northwest Georgia or Northwest Atlanta area, houses are still flipping like hotcakes. Lots of people are priced out of the market. Lots of people are paying 10% or more over list. Homes appreciated 20 to 25% in the past year. Waiting for more cooling off and wondering if more folks will be needing help because they were in forbearance but are now too far behind. Well, I hope you heard what Dawn had to say a few minutes ago, Shelley, because I kind of feel the same way, like that's going to be an opportunity to help help folks who are otherwise going to face foreclosure exit in a more graceful way through a short sale or potentially a subject to or something of that nature. Uh, okay, got an email from Mark Hutton, who's the local apartment focus group leader here at CincinnatiRia.com. He says, in commercial apartments, the challenges are that that asset class continues to attract money from the East and West Coast and internationally, So cap rates are exceptionally low, equating to very high prices and very low returns. While I expect the cap rates to relax slightly as interest rates rise in 2022, the demand is still very high, and I would be surprised if cap rates rose even one full percentage point by the end of the year. Aside from increasingly rare genuine value add deals, these low cap rates are suppressing buyers who bank finance like we do as the resulting returns are too low to also offer attractive returns to equity partner investors. This market is terrific if you're a seller, but difficult for buyers, and I predict only a slight improvement for acquisitions in 2022. Uh, Yeah, I, I find myself saying that over and over. What do you think of the market? It depends. Am I buying or am I selling? <laughs> if I'm selling, I think it's awesome. If I think it's buying, if I'm buying, I think it's a little bit challenging. And I literally, on my way in here, had a conversation with somebody who said, you know, is whole, the wholesaling thing really work right now? Should I be doing something else? And I said, look, my life and the life of every other wholesaler is 95% How do I find the next lead? What do I need to do to reach out to somebody who's got a property for sale and is motivated to sell it? Mark goes on to say, as with any market up or down, our eyes are keenly focused on finding, discovering, or creating value add deals that can be turned into solid cash flowing properties. Also, the market will eventually change. So we're keeping our eyes on the signs of rising cap rates or longer marketing times for commercial as signals to re-engage more fully. My always faulty crystal ball tells me this will continue well beyond 2022. That's a good, great. We've heard from house buyers. We've heard from apartment buyers. We've heard about some commercial stuff. And I think that the real question that we all have to ask ourselves is, all right, it is what it is. There are opportunities out there. How do we capitalize on them and how do we overcome the challenges of the market? So stay tuned. That's what we're going to talk about this year, all year on real life, real estate investing. We'll be back next week to talk more about what will get you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. Happy investing.